have my attention here right now love from the outset yours from the start you broke through the darkness to help my heart i'm lost to the world in you forever Breaking the silence with heavenly sound, louder than thunder, shaking the ground. If you comes to find me, I will be found. Here in your presence, your freedom is now.
morning, everyone. It is good to see you today. I hope you came prepared to worship the Lord with us. We are ready to sing his praises. We're ready to worship him and sit at his feet. I want to open with reading from Psalm 119. This is verses 105 through 112. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be Welcome here, Lord. Good morning to you. Thank you for waking us up on a beautiful morning with the sun shining. And thank you for getting all of your worshipers here, gathering in your presence to give you glory, Jesus. 
I pray that our offering to you this morning will honor you, that you will be pleased with it. And I pray, Lord, that you will walk up and down these aisles and you'll touch every shoulder that's here. And Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts up to have you change us and to hear the word that's going to be spoken to us today. Lord, I pray that we will be um, a pleasing sound to your ear. And I pray that you'll just kind of remove all those distractions that are in us, the hectic morning, the hectic week. Lord, move them, set them aside, table them for now. We want to be with you, and we want to just feel your presence, but we want to grow closer to you, Jesus. So I just pray that you'll take this time, and you'll draw us in. Let us smell your fragrance, Jesus. We love you, and this is for you, in Jesus' name. So I want to practice a little call and response. I taught you all a few weeks ago. Let's see who remembers. This is the day that the Lord has made. Some of you remember. Let's do it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, one more time now like you're really happy about it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Jesus. And that was the wrong song. So we're going to sing Grateful now. Jesus, we are grateful. We are thankful for your faithfulness in our lives. We commit ourselves to you, Jesus. There's nothing left for us to do but to worship you. Thank you for giving your all for us. We bow humbly at your feet. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is a praise. 
This next song, it's a good one. Just warning you. This, uh, we talked earlier in, in practice this morning. Um, one of the lines in this song says, All my life you have been faithful. All my life. All of it. When I was eight, when I was 28, when I was 78, all of it, you have been faithful. And then the next line says, you have been so, so good. And I think if we all have an honest moment this morning, we can question that. Really? Do you know this backache? you know how long I've had this, God? It does not feel good. We lost a child. We lost a job. I lost my mom. Kids have gone away and astray. Father, how are you good? Because from our perspective and our little minuscule reality, can you agree that sometimes it doesn't feel good? And we don't always understand. And we can't always figure out what God is doing. And we talked earlier today about being a dad and a mom of a five-year-old. And that five-year-old just does not understand why fill in the blank, why they have to go to bed. And your heavenly Father can see way farther than you can. Your heavenly Father knows way more than you know. Your heavenly Father can see the whole entire picture. And yet we are left here with today. And if we're honest, we have questions with today. What does it mean that God is good? It's got to mean something different than what I think it means today. And for that, I have to trust Him that He is working all things. He is working all things together for His good. Can you rest in that today? That He is working all things sin, evil, temptation, the good, the bad. He is working all things for your good. Will you rest in that? Will you talk to him? Trust in that? It's a good song. Till I lay my hand 
that you have shown us so far if we gave time today there's no doubt each and every person in this room would be able to offer testimony to that even even finding that truth inside of our darkest times even when those that are closest to us in the flesh when they have wounded us deserted us abandoned us or even rejected us you have been faithful even when we have proven ourselves unfaithful to you you have remained faithful. You are fundamentally good. We celebrate your goodness today. In a season where we are beginning to think about thankfulness and giving thanks, we give you thanks and praise today because you are worthy for who you are and for what you have done. And we even thank you in advance for what you are going to do. That is the essence of our faith in you. Yes, there are unresolved things in front of us. Yes, for some of us, there are unanswered questions. We thank you in advance for what you are going to do. Our trust is completely in you. in the mighty name of Jesus we all prayed and everybody said amen I invite our ushers to join me up here as we prepare to receive our morning tithes and offerings the awesome thing it is to be able to participate in his kingdom work so Jesus take what we have to offer you today use it bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name, amen.
have a free brunch that morning, so make sure and come. We will have our annual tradition of Christmas Eve service on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. December 24th. It will include carols, candle lighting, communion, and of course, the Christmas story. It's always a wonderful time to worship, focusing on the birth of Christ. <laughs> okay. Good job, Mackenzie. Isn't she awesome? Uh, yeah, so these Advent books are, are available today. Of course, they don't, we don't start using them until December the 1st, but they are out here on, at the welcome desk. So on your way out, we have one for each family unit, okay? And our hope is that you will take time as a family during this Christmas season, beginning on December the 1st, uh, to walk day by day through this. Our Sunday morning messages, our Advent moments during, uh, during the Christmas season will all tie into this as well. It's going to be a great time of unity as a church family walking through the Christmas story and the, the holiday season. All right, so I want to invite you to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and and we are wrapping up this sermon series that we've had um, for, for this entire year. Oh yeah, kids, you can head on out with Miss McKenzie. She's up. What, Candy, would you mind walking them up there? Thank you for helping us. There. That'd be great. Um, so we're wrapping up this year-long sermon series that we've been in called Rooted. And, uh, and today I want us to look at the verses that that phrase comes out of. And we find that in Colossians chapter 2. And we're just going to start right in the reading here, right at verse 1. It says this, if you didn't bring a Bible today, that's okay. You can follow it up on the screen. It says, Paul says this, I, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Think about that statement. It's really quite a profound statement. And when he wrote this, and the church would have been reading this for the first time, there's been a lot of awe attached to this. Let me read that again. My goal is that they, let's replace that with you. My, my goal is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I, I tell you this so that, may, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. 
For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So Paul is in prison at this point. He's sending this letter. In fact, the church in Colossae is one that he was not able to visit personally. He was not ever ever able to see them face to face. So only his words on paper come to them. And then he goes on to say this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. There was, as I have, I've said this a number of times, it just continues to be important for us to realize the context. As the church is growing, as people, more people are coming into the church, there are some deceptions that are happening in the church. There is a, a form of teaching that has crept up in the church known as Gnosticism. And there were a number of problems with Gnosticism. And one of them that he's addressing here was that uh, the, the, the Gnostics uh, were, were so intent on pursuing more knowledge and so intent on finding hidden mysteries um, that, that they, were, they were being pulled away from the center points of, of truth, of, of the gospel. And so a number of the letters in the New Testament are, are addressing the concerns or the problems with this thing called Gnosticism. And he is certainly hitting it squarely on the head here as well. When, when he says um, in, in that verse I reiterated, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. He starts addressing it right here. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He basically just punches the Gnostics right in the gut here. Keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is Christ at the center of it all. It just reminds me of that, of, of that passage in Galatians where Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He, he, Paul has this burning thing inside of him longing to keep Christ at the center of it all and he wants that for the church. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted, built up in him, and strengthened in him rooted it's critical church that we that we are rooted in the the correct place of course when you think about the the visual that paul is creating here you you should immediately think of a tree right rooted and built up so he's talking about um, where the roots are going down deep affects the, the way the tree is built up. I, I, I want to ask you to do something with, with me here. 
I want to ask you to close your eyes, but try not to fall asleep, okay? And I, want to, I want to ask you to close your eyes, and, and I want to ask you, and I'm going to really ask the Holy Spirit to do this for you. I want you to visualize your tree. I want you to see your spiritual tree right now. Probably going to look different than the person sitting next to you. This is just your own personal visual, your your spiritual tree. Now open your eyes because I don't want anybody falling asleep on me. This is this is essentially what Paul is referring to. We we each have this this spiritual tree that that is that is growing, and the key to the growth of of our tree is the root system, right? It, we, we understand this. We, we have lots of trees. We live in Woodland Park, okay? We have lots of trees, and we understand the importance of the root system that, that gives our trees strength and, and allows our trees to stand strong even when the wind blows hard against them, right? A tree with very shallow roots is, is going to have a heart. Um, we, we had many trees on our property. At one point, we had many aspens that were dying. The root systems were already dead and decaying. And at times, we could just go out and just a little push against that aspen. We could actually push that thing over. It was kind of fun to do. Um, it, it, it gave me a real false sense of strength, okay? But it was fun to do because because the root system of these aspens were, was dead and dying and decaying. And, and so it was just easy. Okay, so Paul is saying to us, if, if we're going to, to have um, healthy faith, if our, if our faith is going to be centered in the correct place, the, the most critical thing is what, where is our root system? And it's why we've been doing this sermon series all year, going from Genesis all the way to Revelation, doing the best we can in the, in, the, in the minimal time that we had to kind of go all the way through Scripture because it's, it's critical for us to be a people that are rooted in Scripture. Let me give you a, a for instance here. I, I, I got a list of things. I'm, I'm just going to say them. I thought about asking you to raise your hands, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. So just what I want, as I read this out, I want you to think to yourself, is that Scripture or is that not Scripture? And some of this is going to surprise you. All right, so here, here's, here's some pretty common phrases that, that we have in our society, even sometimes in our churches. God helps those who help themselves. You've heard that. Not Scripture. Not Scripture. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You may, you may have heard that thrown around. Probably a great wives' tale and, and a great thing for moms to say to their kids when they're trying to get them to clean their room, but not Scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck your nativity scenes here, so I apologize for this. Jesus was born in a stable. Believe it or not, that's not Scripture. Now, Scripture does say that Mary 
placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in an inn. And that's all the information we have. So where were they sleeping? We don't, you know, and where did the manger come from? Now, it's okay. We can, we can have nativity scenes with, with stables, or with barn-looking things. We're, we're, we're not going to lose our salvation over that, okay? But again, we, we have some things that, have, that have, have filtered into the church that sometimes aren't really Scripture. How about this phrase? This too shall pass. Believe it or not, not Scripture. God works in mysterious ways. Hey, uh, um, there's some truth in that, but that's not holistically true. Because God's work also works in very clear ways. So, not Scripture, kind of true. But you could see some of these things, these phrases that, that we tend to throw around, even inside of the church, can, can begin to lead someone possibly away from the center point. If they begin to buy into something that really isn't totally true, even partial truths can, can lead people in the wrong direction. How about this one as the last one? God won't give you more than you can handle. So, these phrases, all of them, the thing they have in common, not Scripture. And it's a reminder to us how important it is that we are truly rooted in Scripture. Just a couple of verses I'd like to, for us to look at that, that reiterate the importance of Scripture. How about um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? Look at this. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and merit, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The, the power of Scripture is so significant that it can penetrate to the core of who we are. If we're going to be rooted in Scripture, it's pretty important that from the inside out, the Word of God is affecting us and infecting us and transforming us. Even... Even our thought life, even some core attitudes that we might have. How about Psalm 119.11? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That this penetrating word that can be transformational inside of us as we are rooted then and being built up, you can see that the, it, it, it doesn't just change the way we think or the way we feel, it will change the way we act. Our behaviors. That I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now Hebrews, going back to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5 has a number of things to say about the importance of growth. It says this, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers yourselves, 
You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word. Continuing on. Is there, yeah, all, all, need to teach all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So he's saying, by this time, you should have been growing up. You should have been maturing. You, you should be teachers. You're, you should be so in, in such an understanding of this that you're able to teach it yourself. But now here you are. You're, you're still needing milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There's a reiteration here. Yes, we are to be rooted, but the purpose of being rooted in this is that we are maturing, that we are growing up, that, that we are becoming oaks of righteousness, significant trees. My, my hope is that when you were visualizing your tree, you weren't seeing Charlie Brown's tree, okay? But it's possible that your spiritual life may reflect more of the Charlie Brown-ish kind of a tree. Okay, that's where you are now. Understand that that does not have to be where you continue. If you are rooted in, 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 in the Word of God, and those roots begin to get deeper because you're, you're soaking in it, because you're devouring it, even if you're at, at, at the place of just being able to drink milk, Understand that the goal is that you will grow. Those roots will go deeper, allowing you to grow taller, allowing you to grow buffer, allowing you to be more spiritually mature, which means that allows you to eat more of the solid food, taking in the deeper things of God. This is the kind of relationship that, that Jesus wants to have with us. He wants us to be healthy oaks of righteousness, not just wimpy little Charlie Brown trees. Rooted and built up. And then that last part of chapter 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up. And this version says strengthened. A better word would be established. Well established. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened or established in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Established. Uh, that, that, that has this imagery of so strong and uh, so rooted and so built up that even when the strong winds of the enemy are, are beating against us, we aren't like a reed swayed in the wind. Now maybe you've heard that phrase before, a reed swayed in the, in the wind. Actually, that is Scripture. And that comes, that's a phrase that Jesus used when He was talking about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11. We're not going to read chapter 11, but I, I want to just explain that chapter because as Jesus is making this description about John, He's, he's speaking to His own followers. See, John is in prison at this point. So John has not been beheaded yet. But John has his own disciples, and he sends his disciples to Jesus for uh, some clarification. No, there was no doubt that Jesus was Messiah, but there was, there was a, some clarification about it that, that John 
needed to hear from Jesus. And so John's disciples come to Jesus with Jesus' disciples standing there. And the question is asked, are you the one to come or will there be another? And Jesus gives a great explanation, brings great clarification to that question. John's disciples are satisfied and they head back to John to pass on the news. As they're heading away, Jesus turns to his own followers and begins to talk to them about John. You can see John's ministry preceded Jesus' ministry, right? John, John's ministry was out in the desert. He was baptizing Israel and, and he was preparing the way of the Lord, preparing the way of the coming Messiah. So, so John's ministry preceded Jesus' ministry. It set the stage for Jesus' ministry. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he said, who did you go out to see? When you went out to John and you submitted yourselves to his baptism, and most likely they all did, who did you go out to see? And his first phrase he uses is, did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? Now the reason he's saying that is because John was... was was not ministering inside of the temple. That would have been the normal preaching place, the normal ministry place. But John was out in the desert doing this whole other thing, yet preparing the way of Messiah, preparing the way of the Lord. And, and as Israel was going out and experiencing this, they were, they were experiencing something in their hearts and in their minds, even as, as their baptisms were happening, there was, was a preparation for the ministry of Messiah that was happening. And they could see it and they could feel it. And so Jesus simply kind of puts his disciples on point. What were you going out? What were you, what were you going out to? What were you experiencing? A, a, a reed swayed by the wind? No. And he continues to explain John's ministry. And then he lands at this statement. He says, if you have faith enough to believe this, then believe this. He was the Elijah to come. Now all of that explanation ultimately is pointing back to himself. Because they were rooted... Okay, Because they were rooted, they understood that Jesus was referring to Messiah stuff. Because they were rooted in Scripture, they understood that, yes, they were looking for a Messiah. In fact, they were following this guy. They're pretty convinced it's him. But they knew that before Messiah's ministry could unfold, Elijah had to come back. It's all part of their system. So, you know, real, think about this. So John's disciples come and ask Jesus some clarification question. He brings clarification, sends them off. But here's Jesus' disciples following him. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of a clarification that they need as well. There's this unanswered question. And he, and he says, let me give you this answer. That guy, John, was the Elijah to come. Oh, ding, 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 light bulbs, light bulbs, light bulbs. 
confirmation for them that they're following the right person. The only reason they would understand any of that is because of how rooted they are. And the knowledge of Scripture, and the knowledge of who Messiah is supposed, and, and the ministry of Messiah that, that is to come. Now, did they understand all of it? No. Obviously, they didn't understand all of it. They didn't understand all of it really until after Jesus' death and resurrection and, and Jesus' ascension into heaven and then the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fills the believers in Jesus. Then the light bulbs, re- then all of the darkness sort of starts going away and they begin to understand. Now they're helping each other understand. Why? Because they're continuing to come together daily. And they're digging, they're pouring through Scripture, and they're like, oh, there's Jesus there. Oh, there's Jesus there. Oh, there, he, ooh, look, he, he fulfilled that, and he fulfilled that. And they're start, all the pieces are starting to come together. They're understanding. So at the point when these letters are being written to the churches, years later, okay, all this understanding has come to this first generation of apostles or disciples in Jesus, But like I said at the beginning, this, this deception started entering in from the outside in. Some worldly philosophy stuff and, 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 and whatnot. And so those first generation apostles have to start writing things down to bring clarity to the church as the church continues to grow. And here we are, 2,000 years later, We have the same scriptures available to us. The same spirit-filled words available to us. If we were to let them come in. If we were to choose to hide them in our hearts that we might not sin against God. If we were to allow the living and active word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, to penetrate to the core of who we are, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, there's only so much of that that can be accomplished on a Sunday morning. Some. There's some that can be accomplished. If that is all that we rely on, though, understand that we, we probably don't get much past the Charlie Brown tree. It's just not enough. We'll just get by. But man, when the winds of the enemy come and begin to beat against such a, a, a wimpy little thing, that's where the weed can, or the reed can start being swayed by the wind going to stand strong, church, if we're going to be oaks of righteousness, rooted, built up, and well-established, firmly established in Him, it, it has to be right here. This, this, it, has, it has to be right here. More, more than just on a Sunday. I, I, I'm encouraging us. Yeah, it's, it's just classic preacher stuff here digging into the Word regularly, 
digging into the word regularly, allowing ourselves to move from milk to solid food, get beyond the Charlie Brown looking tree, some well-established, firmly established oaks of righteousness. With your eyes closed, with your eyes closed, and our, and our worship team coming back up to get in place because we, we want to spend some time worshiping, closing. I, uh, I, I just want to pray over you. And I, and I, and I, and I want to ask the Holy Spirit to uh, speak to... Speak to your heart and your mind about what this would look like in your life from this point forward. Because there, there are, are lots of great options for us when it comes to our Bible study times. You can find some great stuff online. But you could also find some stuff that might not be so great. And we need the Spirit's guidance. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to bring to you a, an Advent devotional. That, that maybe through this Advent season, through the month of December, we kind of get a taste for and, a, and, and more of a hunger for, for daily communion times personally, as a married couple, as a family. So Jesus, thank you for this, this year-long series that we've called Rooted, just really trying to get a, a better understanding of the breadth of your word, which is as was read earlier today, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And, and, I, and I love that verse because it, it sounds like it's redundant, but really it's not. There are two very distinct pictures. So the word is a lamp unto our feet sometimes because sometimes we get just enough light to take only the very next step. We don't always know, and maybe really better phrase, we most of the time don't really know what the way down the path it looks like. Probably for the most of us, most of the time your word gives us just enough light, like a lamp unto our feet to give us the very next step. But sometimes your word is a light out onto the path, allowing us to see clearly further down the road. Two very distinct images, but speaking to the power of your word and how it can lead us. We want to be rooted, built up, and well-established in you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done for us in this regard. And Thank you for how you're going to grow us and continue to mature us, creating us to 
the oaks of righteousness that you long for us to be. We worship you today. I want to invite you to stand or remain seated or kneel at your chair, whatever position you're comfortable in. I want you to worship freely this morning. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, He is my soul. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, He is my You'll
believe your word is true. We believe you're working even when we can't see it. Even when we don't get what we want. We trust you. We trust that you are over all, that you see all, that you know all, and that you are working. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we trust you today, Father. We trust your heart towards us. Your banner over us is love. Your intention toward us is good, is love. And we rest in that today, God. We rest in your faithfulness.
Make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you. May he fill you with his power and his peace. May you continue to be rooted, built up, and well established in him. Have an amazing week. See you next time. For my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so. So
Take this heart of stone It's way